1: Washington State is a case study of what not to do in wildlife conservation, and I have two people on the ground. One is a former guest, previous guest, and one is a new guest to the show to talk about what is happening in Washington on the ground as it relates to the State Wildlife Agency, different issues percolating, and how a federal proposal to reintroduce grizzly bears into the North Cascades will have implications nationwide as well. So we have Douglas Bowes returning to the show, and we're really thrilled to welcome Gary Strasberg. Gary Strasberg. Gentlemen, thank you so much for coming on District of Conservation.
0: Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you, Gabrielle. I appreciate it.
1: Uh, Gary, for people who may not be familiar with your work, could you first tee up your background and and groups you're affiliated with? I think it's important people know the groups that you guys have all started um, to respond to the things happening in Washington state.
2: Uh, Excuse me. Absolutely. Yeah. My name is Gary Strasberg and I. Am a longtime, born and raised Washington resident. The only time I've been out of the state was the 20 years I did in the the military. Um, But I did a lot of that also in the state as well. But uh, hunted most of my life. uh, Well, by most, I mean by the age of five. And I'm 55 now. So uh, I've been hunting quite a while. Uh, Due to the climate that has changed with uh, our governor's picked for the commissioners, um, that got me started down a path when we lost our spring bear season. Uh, And then uh, me and uh, about a half dozen other people formed a small coalition called the Conservation Coalition of Washington. So I'm a very, I'm a, you know, a founder of that. And then I'm also a member of the American Bear Foundation, uh, Washington chapter, a member of Howl for Wildlife and uh, uh, the Washingtonians for Wildlife Conservation, that's about most of them that, I, that I'm that i affiliated with.
1: American Bear Foundation is great. I know Douglas also has worked with them. I've known Joe Condilas for a long time when it was formerly Western Bear Foundation. Great to see them expand. And Douglas, why don't you refresh everyone's memory about your affiliations and what you do in conservation?
0: My name is Douglas Bose. I'm the president of the American Bear Foundation Washington Chapter. I'm a uh, National Rifle Association lifelong member. I'm a hunter, trapper, fisherman. Uh, published author i write for uh, bear hunting magazine uh every issue i have a couple books out my guide to black bear hunting as far as conservation goes uh to be honest i i can't stand politics um but as as you get older i think it becomes more and more important or at least you take more notice of it and with the spring bear debacle um i felt it was my personal duty to speak up in defense of hunting and i and i encourage everyone out there to do the same thing whether it's your state or another state in fact gabriella you just posted a story about that and that's absolutely true um people need to speak up for hunting and fishing in general not just hey i'm a duck hunter and i only care about duck hunting because if they, if they take one section of hunting, they're going to be going for yours. The, the whole goal is anti-hunting, so think of that. It's hunting as a whole they want to get rid of. Um, I kind of went off on a tangent there really quick, but <laughs> that's generally what I'm involved with in Washington. Um, I represent bear hunters and uh, black bear and bear habitat, and we can talk about grizzlies here pretty quick, but uh, really that's that's me.
1: Two very, very involved guys, and and that's why we have you on here on the program Because people might be thinking, why should we be caring about Washington today? I think most of my listeners hail from the East Coast. I look at the statistics and I see, you know, Virginia, which is where I'm based. And then I have people all over, all over the East Coast, you know, up and down. I have people in my home state of California, people following, I think, from all over the country. But we at the show keep people attuned to what is happening, even though it's billed as District of Conservation. I largely, you know, try to report on what's happening in Washington, D.C. and Congress and the White House and agencies. But everything is interconnected. Everything from Washington affects what happens in the state. So we have an urgency and and a need to talk about this. And and that's why I brought you both on here. But Douglas or Gary, um, Gary, we talked about Washington State before. I've had Douglas come on the program to talk about it. I've talked to Hall for Wildlife as well on why these battles are extremely important, critical to talk about, even if you don't live in the state. But what would happen if what is, what is transpiring in Washington state is replicated elsewhere. I know we're trying to see, we may see this rather in California, they've played at this as well. We've are starting to see this in Colorado take shape. I think Oregon also similarly. Um, and, And sadly it is divided among partisan lines. You see largely blue states or what are Democrat run states pursuing this. And you do see then alternatively Republican states where this is not really transpiring so much. Or in kind of of middle-of-the-road states or divided states, purple states, where it still is largely untouched, thankfully. Um, But you see in these kind of very blue states, especially like Washington, where this is happening. Why is this happening in Washington? And why have animal rights activists, preservationists, anti hunters made Washington state a target of theirs?
2: I believe that uh, it it, it comes from the top down. Uh, When you have leadership when you have a governor, an attorney general, um, Department of Natural Resources, you name it, when they let it, the, when well, one, the, the governor elected, the not elected, he put these commissioners in place totally unbalanced, uh, totally went against the laws, uh, the mandate, uh, how he should have put these uh, commissioners in place. When he did that, he offset the balance immensely. And so there was never going to be a vote that went towards hunters. And anti-hunters saw that, and also some of the commissioners have deep ties uh, to anti-hunting groups. So once they got their hands on the low hanging fruit, which was spring bear, and now they're going for more and they just keep pushing it and they keep pushing it. And they see what they can get away with. The more they get away with, the more brazen they get They're now. I mean, one of them just basically claimed that I am an anti, you know, I support anti-hunting and there's it's totally apparent how they're doing it and so if they can get away with it here they're gonna do it other places it's the tentacles are long stretching they're already in colorado they're already in oregon as and as you know they're already in california but they're reaching other areas they're starting to reach into montana they're starting to reach into areas where traditionally these have been big game states that everybody's like oh no that will never happen here well it's 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 starting and this snowball is going to catch it's going to start picking up speed if we don't get out in front of it.
1: Douglas, how do you feel about this? Why is Washington a test tube for experimenting like this?
0: Well, that's a good question. Um I think because they know they can make progress. And part of that is what Gary touched on. It's from the top down. So when you have, you know, when When the commissioners are appointed by the governor and the attorney general is in the pocket of the governor and supports each other, the rules that you are supposed to follow by law no longer apply. So, for example, Commissioner Smith was appointed, deemed by a judge, illegally because in this state you are not allowed to serve on two commissions at the same time. And at the time of her appointment by Governor Inslee she was serving on the lands commission in the county that she resides. And so a judge, she was sued by the Sportsman's Alliance, and a judge said, obviously, you were appointed illegally. And so part of that judgment against her was, hey, you have to resign one of those two commissions. And she chose the land commission. Okay, simple enough. Well, our attorney general, in all of his wisdom, decided to appeal that to the Supreme Court. So something very, very basic as... You have to resign a lands commission in uh, you know, a small county, um, a very simplistic, shouldn't be any big deal type of thing. The Attorney General wanted to appeal that, and I, I can't think of any other reason other than to drain money from Sportsman's Alliance. I see no other benefit to them uh, in, in that regard, and so that's going on right now. Um, and you know what, like Gary had said, this is going to spread. If if you can't stop this or at least defend against it, it's going to go to other states. I mean, take a look at Jersey, New Jersey. That governor ran on stopping the black bear hunt, and he got elected, and look what happened. They stopped the hunt, and now they have major issues with black bear hunting, and he had to backtrack and reinstate limited hunts. Um, And so... You know, hunting as a management tool is very important, and the fact that they want to stop that is just frankly insulting.
1: There is a political motivation to it, which I won't really dwell on, but hunting is supposed to be accepted by everyone. I I know people on both sides of the aisle who go hunting. It shouldn't be a partisan issue, but we see some... Some people on the left, unfortunately, make it an issue. I have encountered some people on the right who are, like, very anti-hunting too, which is bizarre. Um, But it's usually (laughs) emanating from the left to, like, their animal rights activists and vegans, like the rare kind. I was like, how do you reconcile that with your thinking? Uh, But but to each their own. Um, But like you said, New Jersey, he had to renege because the evidence was so clear that the absence of a bear hunt was detrimental to not only the (laughs) well-being of people, but the, the bears themselves. Connecticut, I think... I don't even know where they they thought that uh an all out you know euthanization camp against bears would be better than allowing a hunt um, I don't know how you guys feel about what they did there where it's basically a stand your ground you know type of thing against a black bear when they viewed hunting as more inhumane than that, which is funny to me um but that's gonna be interesting to see if that's reversed uh when we see the results of that playing out but they they these people, especially in these really hardened states, like states that were historically you know the the country found in Connecticut used to be very friendly to hunting, not so much anymore. um, a lot wow. of these New England states, you know it's it's a it's a picture into the future. um Massachusetts is increasingly hostile to different things, you know all these different states, and it's really sad and it shouldn't be the case, even though all the wildlife agencies still say hunting is a necessary tool. It's part of conservation and the North American model and I was looking over your governor's proclamation. I have to recall, and you can remind me and refresh to our listeners, I don't know if he's taken anti-hunting statements, but it's funny when he appoints people to the commission who are anti-hunting, yet he issues proclamations saying, you know, in honor of National Hunting and Fishing Day. How can he reconcile that?
0: That's a a very good question. I I, I do want to just touch on something that you kind of hit on. So for some of your listeners who are probably based in cities, and, and for instance, D.C., Not a lot of bear hunters in D.C., most likely. And so let's just say that, hey, they don't agree with bear hunting. So, okay, what happens when it's canceled? Well, what happens when it's canceled is the bear population kind of gets out of control. You get troublesome bears. And what happens to troublesome bears? They get euthanized. If they can't be relocated, they get euthanized by state agents. And what happens to that? bear it goes to a landfill or whatever nuisance animal whether it be cougar Colorado might have this issue coming up um and so that animal gets wasted whereas if you still have a hunting season it doesn't solve this problem but it helps mitigate it you can keep that population in check and people can use that meat and that hide and that skull right and so the animal has value whereas if you don't have a hunting season that animal has no value and it's it's no more than a piece of trash that gets too close to your house and you got to get rid of it. So that's I just wanted to touch on that right
1: away. Yeah. Go ahead, Gary.
2: Well, I say, the, and that's the unfortunate part about that. That's what people don't understand. Like this whole them talking about taking out the mule deer out on San, uh, out on Catalina Island in California, they wanted to take them out, you know,
1: the, by helicopter, right?
2: By helicopter. Exactly. What? With snipers or whatever, where if you just allow hunters to go out there and thin the herd down to where it needs to be to be managed, and then the hunters can use the meat, use the hide, use the animal, you know, and I just don't understand the mindset. They will cut their nose off to spite their face just because it has the word hunting in it. And right. it drives me nuts.
1: What is interesting, I think the way that you really kind of creep into people's hearts and minds about changing minds on bear hunting, everyone loves the bear done study pictures and the the job postings somewhat done satirically, somewhat done seriously, Uh, The applications for bear huggers, professional bear huggers, when the wildlife biologists are uh, checking the health of the mother and they need people to help hold the bears. I may be getting an opportunity actually to shadow uh, such a study next winter. I was told that I will finally be granted that opportunity. Really excited. I love it. But I think that's the way to get to people's hearts and minds on this because the monies that come from hunting and fishing through Pittman Robertson and that connection through that law – and all the contributions that sportsmen and women make. That's why you have bear done studies. And I think when you are able to explain that to people, show that and, and they love the byproduct, but they don't understand how the byproduct came to be uh, because of bear hunting. And if you don't have bear hunting, it could have so many ruinous consequences. What we're suffering, you guys are probably aware of here on the East Coast, especially here in my adopted home state of Virginia, we have mange plaguing the bear population. I don't know what don't explains know. it. Um, personally, cause I'm not a wildlife biologist, but it, it's really sad to see them suffer like that. And I think they have warnings about, you know, be careful not to take a bear that has it or alert the, the wildlife agents about it and, and make sure that people are aware of the bear. And there was actually an aggressive bear in Virginia that had to be euthanized. You don't really hear about this. Um, very often it's usually, you know, very rare for the bear to come too close to a civilian, someone who's not hunting, but the bear like nipped this lady uh, a little South of Richmond They found the bear and they had to euthanize it because they worried it had rabies. And so people are just totally unaware and removed. And I say this as someone who lives pretty close to the city. I live like 20 miles from Washington, D.C., give or take. And we have bear sightings all the time. It's cool. I love it because it means that they're healthy and they're doing well. Um, And and if there's too many of them, as you you both know and as our listeners know, it can create such a huge ecological imbalance. We don't want to see that either. And then people hit them on the road and, and with their cars and they get into conflicts with people it is a recipe for disaster if there's no management and so they can scream all they want about how inhumane it is but we i think Douglas you show this really well with some of the clips of like grizzly bears attacking black bears and and the different conflicts they get into it's a harsh reality nature is even more worse than what hunters can be ethical hunters can be
0: you know, that saying, do unto others as you have done unto you. If someone <laughs> said, hey, would you rather be ripped apart by a bear or not to get dark here or take a bullet in the head? Um, I can promise you I'd much rather take a bullet. Uh, Absolutely. And, <laughs> you know, hunters offer mercy in an otherwise unmerciful world. Um, everything in nature is going to croak one way or the other. And if if you can do it instantly through a bullet or very, very quickly with a well-placed arrow through the lungs or the heart, um, I, I think there's something to be said with that. I don't... Me as a hunter, and I'm sure I'm speaking for Gary and all of our members too, none of us purposely wound an animal, like shoot it in the leg or something like that to extend its agony. There's nothing worse... There's no worse of a feeling for me if I'm hunting if I make a bad shot and say, you know, I I I have wounded that animal and it didn't die instantly. That bothers me. And it, you know, if it eventually dies and stuff like that, and I still find it, that's that. But my whole goal and the whole reason hunters practice and stuff like that is to have very quick merciful deaths um, for the Indeed. animal that they're hunting. Absolutely. Um, so yeah.
1: What is so interesting to me? because you know the dynamics of hunting and and how hunting has become political is crazy to me that it resulted in the loss of you know learning about hunting you guys were following probably closely like I was the defunding of school archery and hunting programs and that yes. brought so much outrage i had never seen a bill almost unanimously supported there was only one person in the house who didn't vote but otherwise every house member voted to reinstate hunting and archery school program funding, which was unconscionable to me that it was defunded, but it's not surprising because of a certain piece of legislation that was passed under the guise of gun safety, but it obviously didn't promote it. And they put that critical program and those monies on the chopping block. And then they had to correct the error. And then this president admittedly did one good thing, in my opinion, in, in these particular issues, reinstating that funding, but it shouldn't have taken a very convoluted very misleading law uh to realize the importance of keeping these programs in place how did people in washington respond to that defunding and then subsequent reinstatement
2: Gary, you want to take that uh yeah i can i think because we um i'm not sure how many i know washington's kind of unique because we have west side and east side uh kind of divided between the uh Uh, the Pacific Crest Trail in the the Central Cascades. So you've got very left-leaning west side and very right-leaning right side. So most of your schools in the east side were going to probably have either an archery or a uh, shooting-type education in a school. I don't know how many west side schools would even have that. So uh, it's literally like two different states. (laughs) We could literally split them in half. Uh, I would see where the west side I would see more people that would be opposed to having that in school. However, I live, I've resided on the West side my entire life and I was uh, vehemently upset about that. I thought it was, it was horse pucky. And, but, uh, I think it would have affected more people on the East side, which, uh, I guarantee you they were, uh, upset by it, but they were also happy when it was re reinstated. And really quick, I, I went hunting,
0: this last weekend, extended weekend, with my dad and brothers and, and brother-in-law and my nieces and nephews, some of them. And they range from, you know, like 12 to 8. And the 8-year-old's not carrying a gun, but he's out there hiking with his dad. And what a loss that would be for America's youth if we did not support this. Those Absolutely. kids this weekend, they got to see bear in the wild. And and none of us killed anything, by the way. We just spent time outside as a family enjoying a campfire, um, telling stories when we got back, um, but they got to see bear, they were close to elk, um, bull elk and, and bugles, and they got to see deer and coyotes, I mean, what a shame it would be if something that like that passed, so I'm glad it didn't, and um, that's really why I speak up as much as I do now, I'm almost 50, but I want to be able to see my nieces and nephews and son and and hopefully grandchildren down the road be able to enjoy what i've been enjoying my whole life
2: absolutely that's why i've been i've joined the fight harder over the last three years because i don't think i could look my grandkid in the eye if something happened in one of the you know where let's you know worst case scenario we lost all hunting in washington state i want to be able to look my grandkid in the eye and say hey buddy Papa fought hard for you, man. Uh, I fought till the la- till the last minute, and I, I just don't I don't know how anybody could take that away from
1: the youth of America. I can understand why, actually, because they view these activities as threatening, even though they actually teach safety, respect for nature, the environment, leaving your surroundings better off. The, the, it's it's a warped view of conservation. What I think fueled the initial defunding of it, but then. A lot of people said, this is a terrible mistake. What are you doing? This is not the intention of the bill. The bill is extremely flawed, but even people who were the biggest proponents of it on both the right and the left were like, oh my gosh, this is egregious. Like, please don't do this. So they correct the corrected the record there and, and we'll give them a win here. But it, it's the fact that Ms. this kind of bungled legislation can pass, And they it doesn't say in the bill that we're going to defund school archery and hunting programs. But then you can have the government interpret it to say, why don't we do this? Because they entail dangerous weapons. That's what I feel like is transpiring in some of these state wildlife agencies, particularly yours, where they can interpret things as they want to, even though it's clearly stated that hunting has to be included as part of the model of conservation. It has to be a management tool and they could twist things and do things to their, to their liking. And and this is where I think it comes to my curiosity and, and, uh, wanting to probe you both about, or, or Douglas, whoever, which of you is more comfortable talking about this, the, in, the Biden administration, I think has two things related to the potential to reintroduce grizzly bears in central Washington, the North Cascades region for those outside of the the state. So I know this is a back and forth. They've been trying to do this forever, they have an environmental impact statement, and then they also have a rule. And uh, through this rule, they want to invoke reintroduction under Section 10J of the Endangered Species Act, and then they want to pair that with the EIS. And they, they're they doing this to say, kind of going back in, in the scheme of things, because some people may not be aware, uh, this administration this uh, Fish and Wildlife Service is viewing grizzly delisting and grizzly recovery through a very broad prism that has kind of broached kind of normalcy of what, you know, previous administrations right and left have done with grizzly management. It used to be that uh, grizzly bears would be on an individual basis, their subs, their subpopulation be determined, you know, like that through the greater Yellowstone ecosystem that used to be an independent DPS uh, depopulated segment i think that's what it stands for i forget the what the breakdown of the acronym was but it was regulated as an individual entity and they met the threshold of recovery and were recommended for delisting the listing happened new administration comes in they reinstate threatened protection species uh protections on them now with this uh in the whole scheme of thing with this is they w- they want to reintroduce it to five or six other subpopulations And say that we will not delist any individual segment, even if they've met the threshold of recovery, because we want to restore it to the historic range. So, Douglas or Gary, if you can break down what I kind of contextualized there, what is the problem with this potential EIS and the rule? And what is the problem? Do we have grizzly bears in Washington state? That's what I should have also asked as well earlier. But do we have bears? And is this flaw? Is this is this plan flawed? And do we have grizzly bears in Washington state?
2: I think it's extremely flawed. Uh, I'll go ahead and start, Doug, because I know you've (laughs) you've got a little more of this uh, than I do, but I'll just touch on a couple of things where I think it's flawed because I don't know. When you've got Yellowstone or uh, grizzly bears in the greater Yellowstone recovery zone and you look at the density population of human beings in that area, uh, in that recovery zone, and the ones that are north towards uh, British Columbia in Montana, Compared to the, the grizzly recovery zone they want to put in Washington that goes roughly from just north of Wenatchee all the way to the Canadian border. They want to put something like, what, 100 and uh, over some years, 100 and some bear 150 bears in that area. The, um, the density of people in that small area, even in the North Cascades where it's fairly remote, the density of people that use that area it's just setting it up for failure. It is setting it up for people in bear conflicts like you've never seen. And, I mean, I'm not trying to get, you know, everybody, you know, spread a bunch of hyperbole or nothing like that. But it's just, I think it's a very poor uh, thought out plan. I, want, I think they want to, <clears throat> their plan is to, as long as they can say that they're being recovered in the North Cascades, then they can continue to say that they're not recovered yet nationwide and they can continue to fight to keep them on the endangered species list even when they're a recovered species in most of the recovery zones
0: and i guess i'll chime in here um you know the funny thing is is as a washington state recreational hunter if i hunt bear in uh, certain 12 gmu's game management units i have to take a bear identification test every oh, yeah, single year and <laughs> carry that with me and i it's a, to identify a grizzly bear or a black bear now, do duck hunters have to take a dodo bird test? No, they do not, because dodo <laughs> birds do not exist in this state. And so why am I taking a grizzly bear test if there are no grizzly bears in this state? Well, that tells me that, yes, there are grizzly bears in this state. In 2011, not 1996, which I have seen posted, in 2011, there is a confirmed grizzly bear just outside of, just north of me, actually, in Rockport, um, yep. in um, in the North Cascades. There... There are no walls, no physical barriers stopping grizzly bears from coming down from BC or from our eastern border of Idaho. And proof positive is two weeks ago in Stevens County, which is right along our uh, eastern border of Idaho, they had to relocate a young grizzly bear who was killing people's chickens and pig feed and stuff like that. They relocated it to the Selkirks, um, just north of there. Um, But so... We already have grizzly bear here, and I think this is a flawed plan in that if you look at the wolves in Washington that have been recovered or real close to it on several areas, they still don't want to delist them, so they, they want them over such a huge area. And if you look at, I think it was Montana or maybe Wyoming, they tried to reinstate a grizzly bear hunt a couple of years ago. And this was like a highly regulated hunt, special tag put in, not over the counter. As soon as that hunt came up, it was shot down by a judge. And so they won't allow proper management. Um, and that's what that, that's kind of their plan is to get this thing going and then, and then basically just keep moving the goalpost further and further down to where you're not allowed to manage it they want to put 200 bears 200 grizzlies within the next 60 to 100 years in the north cascades and there's three plans there's there's no action plan which is what the american bear foundation supports because you know if bears want to be there if grizzly bears want to be there there's nothing stopping them and so why mess that up and then there's the other two plans and and basically Plan B is three to seven bears released over five to ten years with a goal of about 25 grizzly bears before switching to adaptive management. And Plan C is the same as Plan B, except it allows you to um, get rid of problematic bears that are killing livestock or people or nuisance bears and stuff like that. And the point I'm trying to make here is a lot of the people, for example, when they speak on the game commission that I have to sit through, Uh, and try not to drink myself to death by putting up with (laughs) some of the poor arguments. A lot of those people have nothing to do with, for example, wolves. They are special interest groups or people who live in Seattle or um, people who don't watch wolves tear into their livestock or tear into their family pet. Um, They don't have to deal with it. And so right now in in Northeastern Washington, I would be willing to bet that if you ask some cattle ranchers or people who live there that are, are already having issues with grizzlies that they would not support this idea either. Um, because they are the ones who have to deal with this. And if you drive the North Cascades highway, highway 20 during the spring or summer, all the parking lots are overflowed. They are parked onto the highway, all, of them, all trailheads, and they wow. are just packed with people. And so I think as a hiker, if you enjoy that area and, and, yes it's nice to see grizzly bears and stuff like that but without management and i don't think they will allow management um you had better start to learn how to be bear wise much more than just with black bears
1: oh yeah no and i mean we see the increased human bear conflicts in the yellowstone area i think colorado and british columbia there was that case recently in banff very chilling stuff i think um they think these animals are cuddly and they, affect, they they forget that with any reintroduction planned plan out there that you have to have some management in place. It's going to come in the form of the bears ultimately having to die one way or another uh, through a managed hunt or through, you know, government agents, wildlife agents, you know, having to euthanize them if they're problematic. So which one do you choose? I don't think they calculate and assess uh, which is better. And we should err on hunting um, as the better option here. But yeah, people don't know how to live with bears and be bear aware. And then they're surprised that these conflicts happen. And then they blame people for encroaching on the bear's territory. We've invaded their homeland or their territory uh, with all this development and our interest to go outdoors. And But yeah, these people want to go outdoors and photograph or go outdoors and view these animals themselves, but no one else can enjoy nature um, as well. So it, it makes no sense to me how they think. But unfortunately, the harsh reality is more of these conflicts have to unfortunately be publicized and put out there for people to realize what they're dealing with uh, with wanting to have grizzlies in in these particular regions. I say put the grizzlies temporarily in the big cities, then they'll know how all of you feel.
0: <laughs> Charles Whitwam had a, had a very good quote the other day from Howell, and he said that grizzly bears used to inhabit the land of San Francisco because that was their original range, and so you know heck put some in there it's it's ridiculous to think that you have to them in. <laughs> bring back these animals to their original <laughs> range when a
2: lot of their original range is actually taken over by cities yeah and that's what people don't they don't understand that uh the the, the overpopulationists like i or, I, or a preservationists, they they humans have been on the landscape for <laughs> For a long, long, long time, we have altered the landscape for a long, long time, and we're going to continue to alter the landscape for a long, long time, and we have to manage the animals accordingly. And when we don't, that's when we have what we're having right now with all the conflicts.
1: And I think the human impact can actually be positive. I think we've seen in recent decades that the impact has been positive. People want to maintain coexistence. They want to ensure that there are other species down the food chain. Um, hunters are not destructive. We don't want to destroy what we want to pursue because we have a incentive to to have wildlife around. We want to enjoy them most of the time. We're enjoying wildlife. We're not hunting and pursuing it. So it's really counterintuitive for them to suggest that we're wanting to usher in our demise and and end and, and prevent the hobbies we enjoy from happening. It's it's so ridiculous to me. And it's you know more time will be needed. We can spend hours upon hours upon you know the merits of hunting and, and, and why we have to make the case and how our opponents are irrational. I'm sorry to say that, but they are really largely irrational. They don't follow science, but gentlemen, we're running out of time. Where can people connect with you both individually?
2: Uh, I'm over on, on Instagram or Facebook, just my name, at Gary Strasberg, and I'm also a member, if you look over there at the uh, Conservation Coalition of Washington. Sorry, I almost ran out of breath. The Conservation <laughs> Coalition of Washington is on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. We're a growing, small, uh, little ragtag group of uh, grassroots people that, with the same idea that are just trying to fight like heck for our, uh, our, our heritage and our rights.
0: And you can find me on, on Facebook, just my name, Douglas Bose, And then uh, Instagram is Bose and Bears, uh, B-O-Z-E, just like my name. And really, that's about it. Um, yeah, that's about it for social media for me.
1: <laughs> Thank you both so much for joining. We'll include links to the show notes. Connect with them, listen to them, hear, heed their warnings, because what could happen in Washington can gen- can transpire in your state as well. Thank you both for coming on the show.
0: Thank you, Gabriella. Thanks, Gabriella. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. If you enjoyed what you heard today, go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify or wherever podcasts are played. Your feedback will help us reach more people. And I love to know what is on your mind after each episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat or a guest announcement because that is our way of updating all of you listeners. And we have just hit a thousand followers on Instagram for the podcast account. Thank you very much. And if you have any guest suggestions or topics you want to hear on the show, I'm all ears. I would love to hear your feedback there. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.